Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at 44 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today by friend in life, the man himself, doing the rankings and projections behind the scenes for this six-team bye week, none other than John Paulson. How are you hanging in there? Hanging in there. Uh, week 13, by another bipocalypse, uh, by Mageddon, uh, a lot of... A lot of movement in the rankings, a lot of weird people ranked high because of the, all the buys. But uh, yeah, we're pushing towards the playoffs right now. So some some teams really need a win. Everyone in a position where they might be streaming quarterbacks, defenses, tight ends. We will certainly help them along the way. And we are going to start with this Thursday night matchup between the Seahawks and the Cowboys, with the Cowboys unsurprisingly being nine point home favorites. Let's start with Seattle's side of the ball because we talked about it last week before Zach Charbonnet's first start and told everyone to temper their expectations because he was going to be an every down back, but the run out for the next month without Kenneth Walker was not looking pretty whatsoever. And that's exactly what we saw because since Walker has left the field since week 11, Charbonnet has handled 29 of 32 running back carries and 10 of 12 running back targets. He's getting the usage we want, but this is another spot, at least for myself, Paulson, where I view Charbonnet as a fringe RB1, touch-based RB2, simply because it's not a great game script or opponent. Right. I have him ranked as an RB2 this week. He got the usage that we wanted and expected 18 touches last week. DJ Dallas only had three. Uh, so he is the lead back bell cow. Uh, but as you mentioned, this matchup's not great. Uh, it's not terrible either. Uh, the... I mean, the, the, the Cowboys do have a, a very good defense, but against running backs, they're 16th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. So there's a chance that he could have a, a nice game here. Um, but it might have to come by the passing game because they might be, you know, might be trailing for most of the game. If he can rack up some catches, then he could certainly uh, post good numbers. How are you parsing Seattle's wide receivers for everyone a week after Pete Carroll came out after the Thanksgiving game and said he really wants to emphasize particular players and mention specifically Jackson Smith and Jigba moving forward. Yeah, we're going to maybe see him featured a bit more. I mean, I've got them all ranked in the top 40. This is another tough matchup, though, against the the Dallas secondary. Uh, it would have to be probably volume-based to, to really get there in terms of wide receiver one numbers for any of these guys. So I've got rank, uh, Metcalf ranked as a, a wide receiver two and Lockett as a wide receiver three and Jackson Smith and Jigba until I really see him overtake uh, one of these guys in targets. And it would probably be Lockett that would be taking a back seat uh, to Smith and Jigba. Um, until I see it on the field, then I'm probably going to continue to rank Tyler Lockett ahead of, of uh, JSN. For the Cowboys, it's a similarly tough matchup through the air because we know you don't want to attack their boundary corners and Tariq Woolen and Devin Witherspoon. And that's where Brandon Cooks, who I do think will be a vital piece of playoff rosters in the fantasy postseason, lines up for a majority of the snaps, whereas we don't worry about CeeDee Lamb and any matchup. And that really leads me to Tony Pollard here because we have tempered our expectations for Pollard. Everyone now high fives one another when he reaches 80 yards and a touchdown. Completely fine. But we know since week nine, Seattle has crumbled against running backs, collectively allowing 106 yards per game, 5.7 yards per carry, and six rushing touchdowns in that span. So I do think we are looking at a blow-up game for Tony Pollard relative to however much he can blow up nowadays. 
Yeah, I've got him ranked in the top 10, top 8 or so. Uh, as you mentioned, he's kind of picking it up here the last couple of weeks. Uh, the Seahawks allowing 5.7 yards per carry to running backs since week 9, 1.5 touchdowns per game, 127 yards rushing to opposing running backs, along with 52 yards receiving two opposing running backs since week nine. So it's it's all over the place that they're giving up points to the running backs. So this looks like a really good spot for Tony Pollard. I may have parlayed Pollard over 63 and a half rushing yards and over 20 and a half receiving yards ahead of this evening. Moving on to Sunday and the Dolphins and the Commanders. The Dolphins who are unsurprisingly nine and a half point road favorites. It's the cleanest spot possible for Tua and this passing offense because the commanders in over the last month, since they traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young dead last in the league in pressure rate and Tua from a clean pocket has only completed just 76% of his passes for a league high 20 touchdowns. And here comes Tyreek Hill who probably can reach 200 receiving yards in this game too. So to me, it's a start all the dudes game for the Dolphins offense. Yeah. Let's just run down the, the, the gauntlet of quarterbacks that the commanders have given up huge games to Mac Jones, not, not that huge of a game, but 220 and a touchdown. Geno huge Smith for Mac Jones. Yeah, huge for Mac Jones. <laughs> That's probably maybe his best game of the year. Uh Geno Smith, 369 and uh two touchdowns. Tommy DeVito, 246 and three touchdowns. You actually called that as a, you know, he's a good streamer. Uh and uh, Dak Prescott, 331 and four touchdowns last week. Obviously he's playing very, very well. So on average oh, since week nine, 291 yards, 292 yards passing, 2.5 touchdowns per game. So this is a fantastic spot for, uh, uh, for Tua. If you are desperate, I don't mind sneaking Jeff Wilson in as well, because we saw Wilson pop up against the jets on Friday for a season high share of running back carries 33% and double digit touches, not to mention a 10.7% target share. So I think Wilson, regardless of Devon, a Chan's health in this game, could be working his way into a three-headed timeshare. Uh, what about you with A-Chan on the mend? Yeah, I don't know where I stand with him. I don't feel confident that he's going to play yet. Uh, I know he's limited in practice, so I, until I see a full practice, I'm not, uh, or until we get word that he's like you know expected to play, I'm not going to put him back in the rankings until that happens. Just with these knee injuries, they're tricky, especially a, a re-injury like this. So I have Mostert ranked quite high. Wilson uh, ranked 29th. Uh, this is a good spot for both running backs there. Uh, the Washington defense is 29th and just a fantasy points allowed to running backs as well. Uh, so they're bad all over the field. So I think, uh, you know, pretty much all the Dolphin skill players should be startable this week. For the commanders punching back, it's just complicated since it's not a cliche. The target tree is expanded. Uh, we even saw in Thanksgiving with Antonio Gibson back, Brian Robinson's target share dropped to single digits. So he's getting the carries, but it's not a spot where we'll likely see carries given the projected game script. So I have the most faith in Curtis Samuel personally, not just for recency bias, but because although they're trying to take him off the field, they have no choice but to run three wide sets in these blowouts. And it's going to be another situation like that. And Samuel to avoid sacks for Sam Howe, did see 67% of his targets within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. They're just going to dump it off again to him. So I'm just seeing a high PPR floor for him this week. Would you rather start Curtis Samuel over Terry McLaurin? Samuel has the higher floor. 
But yeah. then so, we get into that manager-based, how do you operate your team, which is going to be yeah. subjective. I think, I mean, I think you look at the commander's offense, they're leading the league in pass attempts and uh, they're probably going to for the rest of the year. Uh, so I think they're all sort of volume based plays and, and Miami is, you know, they're not, they're, they're a tough matchup for Brian Robinson and company in, in the running game. Uh, but for receivers, they're not bad at all. They're 30th and adjusted fantasy points. A lot of the receiver position that's usually, uh, you know, because they're leading games, the dolphins. So I think the, this is, just looking at this game on uh, on the surface, it's going to be a game where the commanders are going to have to throw the ball, and they want to throw the ball. Like we've seen it week after week after week, the defense can't stop anybody. They have to throw the ball, uh, so just a lot of targets to go around. Even though the target tree is a little weird there, uh, you know they're sometimes featuring their running backs or tight ends. It's you know you still pretty good plays uh, amongst this receiving core with McLaurin, Dotson, and uh, Curtis Samuel. What about Brian Robinson? For you, how are you ranking this week? He's uh, the, the Dolphins are fourth in just fantasy points allowed to running back, so it's a bad matchup. Uh, if if Antonio Gibson were out again, then I would feel a lot better about starting him just as a volume based RB two. But with Gibson back, uh, eating up some snaps, I think they had Chris Rodriguez playing some snaps last week as well, which eats into Robinson's opportunities. I've got him ranked as a low end RB two this week. For the Colts at the Titans. Arguably the biggest news in fantasy circles of the week with Jonathan Taylor's thumb surgery. And now we are unclear of his timeline. I've heard reports of two to three weeks. They have yet to put him on injured reserve, so we won't know until this weekend or perhaps even next week the extent of it. But we do know Zach Moss played in three games without Jonathan Taylor earlier this year. And in those three games, handled 90% of the team's running back carries, 90% of their touches, and ranked third in the league in 10-yard runs. And now he's going back to being an every-touch running back in this great spot. He's, uh, yeah, you start him. Uh, if you have him, you start him. I think he's, you know, I'm looking at uh, expert consensus ranking around the industry, and he's being ranked too low, in my opinion, uh, outside the top 10. I have him at three. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, Christian outside McCaffrey. Outside the top 10, really? Yeah, uh, Alvin, Alvin Kamara at two and uh, Zach Moss at three. Uh, you could maybe make a case for some of these guys, Eckler, Etienne, Pollard over him. But we saw what he did, you know, just this year, earlier this year with with uh, Jonathan Taylor out. And I think we we're just going to see a huge uh, touch share for him. And, uh, you know, the Tennessee rush defense is not what what's was earlier this season. They're, they're not doing quite as well. They're 21st at just a fancy points allowed to running back. So I think he's a great start. That sounds like people who haven't watched Austin Eckler and Travis Etienne play football this year as they are living off touchdowns and nothing else. And for the Colts, as you mentioned, the Titans defense just falling apart all over. It's yet again another amazing spot for Michael Pittman and Josh Downs. I know Josh Downs didn't get there in the box score last week, but still to tie Michael Pittman in target share. And now in his last three full healthy games, to see at least 23% of the team's targets, Josh Downs is certainly given the Colts' schedule over the fantasy playoffs, someone that I'm very high on as well as Pittman in this game and rest of season. The uh, Titans have yielded an average of 12 catches for 154 yards and a touchdown to opposing receivers, and that includes last week's uh, gauntlet of talent, the Carolina yeah. <laughs> uh, passing game Bad last week. If you, remo if you remove them, um, 
you know, Jonathan Mingo and and, and company, you're looking at uh, 13 catches, 166 yards, 1.33 touchdowns, two opposing receivers. Titans have been a pass funnel. I don't know if there's so much of a pass funnel anymore, uh, but they're still bad against the pass. So I think uh, Gardner Minshew and company will do well. And Downs with 13 targets last week, uh, certainly uh, underperformed in terms of his fantasy points per target, but that just means he's, he's likely uh, going to see a, a big game here soon. Falcons taking on the Jets and the Abyss Bowl. And although Bijan Robinson's share numbers ultimately came down behind the scenes, he still got there on two touchdowns. The schedule is still a great one to have him in the fantasy playoffs. And really it was about how the Falcons just put the Saints away since all three of their running backs averaged over five yards per carry in that soft spot. The same one will get too soon here for the Lions this week. So overall, what are you doing with this Falcons offense in your rankings? Well, they're really tough to throw on. They're not hard to run on at all. The Falcons like to run the ball. So I think just two plus two equals four in this one. And you're going to see a very run heavy game plan for the, the Falcons. And uh, B. John Robinson is an obvious start, but I think even Tyler Algier uh, has some, you know, in a short week when we're missing all these running backs from all these teams that are on by, I think he's definitely flex flexible in this uh matchup i've got him ranked at uh, 34 but you know you're looking at some of these guys around him you know maybe his touch floor is a little bit higher than theirs you know maybe you know 10 touches this week at least uh against this jets defense if if the falcons go as run heavy as i would expect given the the the, the uh, run funnel nature of this jets defense the falcons are obviously also an elite streaming option against tim boyle Having said that, it's still a safer spot, in my opinion, for Garrett Wilson. Still needs to score a touchdown to get there, like last week. Double-digit targets, 44 receiving yards, but eventually got there in, blow in a blowout game script, which is what we're expecting here. But at least we're seeing that Tim Boyle still targeting Wilson heavily under center. Yeah, he's you know he's in the same boat as Jamar Chase, uh, uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, bad quarterbacking, uh, but the lion's share of the target. So you can still run them out there and maybe you're going to get your seven for 60. And if he gets a touchdown, you have a pretty good day. Prize picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And one of the most exciting ways to play DFS and best of all prize picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. PrizePix even offers in-game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together with more A.J. Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now, it's possible. Just go to prizepix.com accurate and use the promo code ACCURATE to match your first deposit up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. And now, you can score even more pizza with your pizza. It's easy. Just order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and become eligible for instant win prizes. And best of all, you pick the toppings you crave. I attended a live Scott Fishbowl draft over the summer, 
and was convinced by a friend to try Little Caesar's pretzel stuffed crust pizza with cheese sauce. And no hyperbole, it changed my life forever. Either way, everyone wins with Little Caesar's convenient delivery or in-store pizza portal pickup. You can even pay for your pizza on the Little Caesars app and have your friends grab it on their way over to watch the game. That's how you enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Pizza, pizza. Cardinals at the Steelers. And we saw some changes for the Steelers beyond two coordinators going over 400 total yards. Stop me if you've never heard that one. and. More importantly, moving Pat Fryermuth around, a season high in route rate from the slot. George Pickens' role didn't change whatsoever. And just a comfortable Kenny Pickett, who is my personal favorite streaming option for those who are missing their quarterback this week. Because the Bengals, one of the league's worst defenses, whenever Kenny Pickett was operating from a clean pocket, went 24 of 27 for a league high in completion rate and over 10 yards per attempt. And here comes this Cardinals defense that's the same thing. Literally dead last in generating pressure. So I think it's as great of spot for Pickett Imaginable, who has yet to have a top 12 week in his career. I think it could be that kind of week for him. Uh, that's interesting, and I I like it. I mean, I've got him ranked at 16 or 17 in the quarterback rankings. Um, but, you know, you're looking at these, these guys, and I – you know, we'll t- we'll talk about uh, my guy Jordan Love a little bit later, but uh, Baker Mayfield at fourteen, Gardner Minshew at fifteen, uh, Stafford uh, with Cleveland at sixteen. And, you know, Pickett could be started over those guys given the matchup against Arizona and this newfound offensive juggernaut of the Steelers' offense. My question is, if, if they you know gained all these yards, why do they only score sixteen points against the Bengals? That is completely fair. Uh, it's, I'm also annoyed that we got the exact usage for Jalen Warren that we wanted out touching Najee Harris, but since Najee is still used inside the 10 yard line, it's still going to take the same explosive runs for Warren to score since none of his touchdowns has come inside the 10. So still a little bit annoying there, but it is a backfield split and it is a, it is an defense where we're pretty much throwing everyone out there against them. It's almost like uh, Najee saw that report, that pregame report that uh, they were going to start featuring Jalen Warren and getting Jalen Warren more touches because he came out running angry at 6.6 yards per carry, uh, Warren only 3.8. Yeah, he had a couple explosive runs too. He looked really good actually, and it's equally as soft of a spot. The Bengals and Cardinals are who we target everyone against. On the other side of the ball, Kyler Murray, I'm actually worried about because he's been bad through the air. And he's been getting there with three consecutive games with a rushing touchdown. So in the fantasy playoffs, where his schedule is absolutely miserable, I just wonder what happens when he doesn't score a rushing touchdown, since that's clearly not sustainable. Since he returned, he's 32nd in completion rate on throws, 10 yards downfield. Uh, That's why Greg Dortch continues to get there, because he's being peppered underneath. And now in his last two games, Dortch has even out-targeted Rondell Moore, 17-4. to So... I do have a lot more confidence in Greg Dortch than a lot of people around the industry, but overall, I'm still somewhat worried about Kyler here. Yeah, I think you can be. Uh, it's the it's sort of a similar situation to Sam Howell, and that the defense is so bad that I think that's going to keep 
uh, Kyler Murray throwing the ball enough. I'm looking at his game log here. He had 7.8 yards per attempt against Atlanta, 7.1 against Houston, and then 5.7 last week against the Rams. Rams are, you know, become a kind of a tougher defense for quarterbacks to face. Uh, he will get rushing yards. Uh, the touchdowns may not be there, and that, that might lead to a low scoring game, but I think, or a low scoring uh, fantasy outing, outing for him. But I think against Pittsburgh, he should be okay. Any thoughts on James Conner and his homecoming here, too? The interesting thing about the revenge game, uh, it's always a, you know, a factor in terms of, you know, that he might see an extra uh, goal line carry or, or something if the, if the coach decides he wants him to get a score against his old team. You know, the, the, the concerning thing, I think, for uh, Connor is that, you know, Michael Carter and uh, Imari DiMercato got some touches last week and played, you know, some significant snaps. And so we've been kind of leaning on Connor's workload as the reason we would start him. And it's a little bit dicey now if they start to devolve this into a three-headed backfield. Lions at the Saints, which are going through injury clusters on both sides of the ball. We talked about obviously playing quarterbacks, Jordan Love included, against the Lions defense last week since their defense is just so miserable. And the Packers got there. The Saints are not that offense, though. They are probably not that offense at full strength. But when they're also missing Michael Thomas, maybe Chris Olave, who's still a concussion protocol, and Rashid Shahid, who's dealing with a what seems to be a multi-week quad injury, this is not the spot at all. Uh, the Lions are four-point favorites. I think they're going to win by double-digit points and just put this one away between David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. I know Jameer Gibbs' usage behind the scenes was much better than Montgomery's, but it was also negative game script following Detroit's multiple turnovers. So it's just a week where you start all of your Lions. Yeah, all of them except for probably Josh Reynolds and guys <laughs> like that. But yeah, I uh, said your no, Lions. Your uh, let's hope. Let's hope that no one's sitting on those. Yeah, sitting on the. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I think Derek Carr would, and under normal circumstances, be a nice streamer this week if he had Olave and Shahid uh, healthy. Uh, but he doesn't, and Olave is in the situation where nine times out of ten, or nineteen times out of twenty. You know, a, a guy concussed in the previous week doesn't make it back the following week, but it's happened a couple times. And he's he was actually at practice, I believe, uh, either yesterday or today, which is a good sign, but far from being cleared. Now, if Olave is back, then you can start looking at Carr. I'm going to bump up Carr in the rankings a bit, but because Detroit's 28th and just a fantasy points allowed uh, to quarterbacks. And it's a good matchup, as you mentioned, for every all the quarterbacks. But if he doesn't have, if he's down as, you know, to A.T. Perry as his number one receiver and Kirkwood or whoever that was, <laughs> Keith Kirkwood is his number two. And, uh, you know, they've got, I think the only, you know, couple of plays that are, inter- I mean, obviously Kamara, like he's probably going to see a 30% target share uh, or something like that. But I think Juwan Johnson is, is viable as a streamer at tight end. He, he's bumped up the, the rankings considerably. And I think Taysom Hill will probably be a very big part of the offense as they try to figure out ways to move the ball without their top receivers. So um, Carr, not so much, but I think some of these other guys are viable as, as uh, you know, streamers in a, t- in a tough week uh, in terms of buys. I know people want to play A.T. Perry as well. He'll be out there, but just remember he's a sixth-round rookie who last week even had the opportunity at the beginning of the game. He ran the wrong route, and that's what led to Derek Carr's red zone interception. They benched him immediately after. 
They only put them back on the field whenever Olave and Shahid went down, and then they were forced to play them too. So I'm not trying to get too cute unless I need to in 14-team leagues. It is very clearly, as you mentioned, Kamara, Taysom Hill, and then Juwan Johnson, who did run around on over 80% of dropbacks last week, also saw seven targets. They are using him and have no choice but to use him again in this spot. You could really, you could really look at him as their number one receiver this week, Juwan Johnson. I agree. I mean, I mean maybe... I mean, if you if you don't count Kamara, um, so I think he's you know could could see like a twenty percent target share. I have him behind Pat Fryermuth as my favorite streamer since Fryermuth's still available in the majority of leagues. Would you agree with that, or would you prefer I, Johnson? I do. I have Fryermuth at eight and uh, Johnson at ten, but I mean it's pretty close. And those these are just you know interesting guys. I mean Fryermuth, we've seen it on a, I guess a longer sustained basis. We haven't seen it much from Johnson this year, but he has had a couple of good games since he came back. So I yeah you know, I trust him here in a in a short week. Chargers at the Patriots. I don't know why the Chargers are laying six points to anyone, even the Patriots, but nonetheless, it's become pretty condensed for Los Angeles because Quentin Johnston just can't get there as he continues to struggle in developmental reps. And there's nowhere else to go, but Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler confidently. Uh, anyone else you're trying to sneak in here for the Chargers in this spot? Maybe Gerald Everett at tight end if you're in a pinch. I think he's decent. Uh, they're des- they're just desperate for playmakers in the passing game, and and nobody has really stepped up. So uh, Gerald Everett did have a decent game, I think, last week. Uh, but you know, after that, it's it's really tough to to count on Guyton or Johnston or any of these other guys. For the Patriots, we don't know the quarterback situation just yet. Although I believe it's going to be Bailey Zappi. Uh, without Demario Douglas, who's still in the league's concussion protocol, may miss this game too. We did see, again, for 14 team leagues only, it probably doesn't matter, but Tycon Thornton was targeted on five of nine passes whenever Demario Douglas got knocked out of the game. So he'll be on my DFS radar, better or worse, at least. And other than that, Ramondre Stevenson is the one who's really finally looked at full strength, although he's still splitting touches. He's looked much healthier these last three games. And he's been a bit more involved in the, in the passing game, and that makes sense given the injury to um, DeMario Douglas. And unlike Chris Olave, Douglas is not at practice on, as of Thursday, so he's unlikely to play. I don't have him in the rankings. So, you know, you're looking at maybe Devontae Parker, uh, maybe Juju Smith-Schuster popping their heads up, but you have no confidence in most of these guys. I mean, Parker, at least when he gets targets, has delivered in the past chargers are 27th and just a fantasy points allowed uh, to the receiver position. So I could see like, from like, you, you know, DFS dart throw type of a play, or if you're in a really big league, you're throwing him out there, running him out there as a flex. And if you're just in a pinch, because, you know, he could serve as the number one receiver uh, for the Patriots this week with Bailey Zappi at quarterback. And I do, I do agree with you that it's going to be Zappi and not uh, Mac Jones or uh, Cunningham. The Broncos and Texans game is, not only interesting, but has lots of moving pieces. Let's start with the Texans because Tank Dell was spotted at practice on Thursday and D'Amico Rhines believe he's going to play. On that same note, Dalton Schultz has not practiced. So now we're getting yet again another shuffle here where CJ Stroud doesn't have his full arsenal of weapons. So let's just assume Tank Dell's active and Dalton Schultz is out. How are you handling Texans receivers? Yeah, and uh, Noah Brown is apparently back at practice and, and looking likely to play. So I put him in the 
in the rankings and he comes in as a wide receiver for it, he really was tearing it up prior to the injury uh but robert woods is back so i don't know how much they're going to rotate those two because you know you assume that tank dell and nico collins are playing a lot of snaps and then the third spot fourth spot are kind of uh being rotated Noah brown has been significantly better than robert woods but it doesn't necessarily mean coming off the injury that he's going to step right back into the role that he had but with schultz out i think you just kind of forget about the tight end position you know maybe the you know the backup gets a couple of touch or a couple targets but uh really it's going to be my confidence would be in dell and nico collins for sure then i think you know the the best bet in terms of a dart throw is noah brown just given the way he played prior to the injury the Broncos are allowing the most points per game to opposing tight ends. So like Tucker Craft last week, I do think it's fine if you're that desperate and you're in one of these larger leagues where Friar Muth, Jawan Johnson aren't even available. I don't think Brevin Jordan is the worst option. I've made dumber decisions than throwing him out there. So I don't hate that. And for the Texans running backs, it's an amazing spot. Broncos bottom three in yards per carry and explosive runs allowed to opposing running backs. And the only one to trust is Devin Singletary, who we saw not only split carries, but also get all of the passing work. Even Damian Pierce only had five routes in that entire game. So Singletary, who had seven targets, uh, that's the one who we have to lean to until further notice over Pierce. Yeah, and Pierce didn't like run better than Singletary or anything like that. It wasn't like he was going to earn uh, a lot of a lot more snaps. Singletary I mean, had that thing- 41-yard screen. Looked awesome. Yeah, 54 yards receiving on six uh, catches, seven targets. So, yes, I think in this matchup especially, uh, you're looking at um, Singletary as a – I mean, the Broncos are, I think, giving up the most rushing yards per game this year, but the 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. It's been a great matchup pretty much all year, and I don't think that Singletary is like a no-brainer because he's we're not at the point where he's going to necessarily see 18-plus touches for sure like he, like he would with Pierce out. But I think he's a really solid RB2, given the matchup and given his likely workload. I mean, he saw 12 last week. I would think 15 to 18 is, is a you know a good estimation for him this week. It's also how the Broncos or how the Texans have to move the ball in this situation. Because the Broncos' defense isn't a fluke. They're, they're no joke whatsoever. Uh, they limited Josh Allen to less than 200 passing yards and two picks. Patrick Mahomes in the first game, we didn't have the flu. Uh, reached 17 fantasy points, but they held the Chiefs to only eight points. But the Broncos' defense is real, and this is Stroud's toughest test since week one against Baltimore. He's pretty much been getting by, although been amazing, uh, responded against every test he's had. He has been getting by on an easier schedule. So this is a true litmus test for Stroud in the passing game, which makes me somewhat concerned about actually the production and output of this contest. On the other side of the ball, I think it's a better spot for the Broncos passing game because yes, they want to slow this thing down and just run Javante Williams into the ground. But the Texans pass defense is what's falling apart. Even cutting Shaq Griffin on Wednesday, who had been their best corner to this point of the season. And in their last four games, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, all averaged over 8.6 yards per attempt. So if we get a little pushback here, still again, not sure if we will, I do think Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton are the beneficiaries here. Yeah, Sutton ranked as a wide receiver to uh, Wilson in the top 12 this week, which is kind of a rarity for him. But the Texans are 31st adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks this year. So definitely a great spot for him. And I, you know, I do kind of think this will be a high scoring game. Um, maybe you're 
maybe I'm underestimating the Broncos defense a little bit, but they're 18th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So I think Stroud with how, how well the, the Houston passing game is rolling will be certainly serviceable as a mid range QB one. Uh, so I think this is, you know, maybe a sneaky shootout or it just seems like all these Houston games end up being kind of crazy high scoring games. So I just feel like, uh, you know, both, both sides, there's lots of uh, players you can play. Stroud has put past some tough tests, but this is definitely one I'm worried about. And for the Broncos anyways, although we are most confident in Cortland Sutton, Javante, I don't like dropping any of their players, Marvin Mims and Jerry Judy included, just because so many things can happen and their schedule for the fantasy playoffs is incredible. Like not only this week against, as we mentioned, a weak Texan secondary that's getting worse by the week. They have the Chargers, the Lions, the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Raiders to close the year. So if anything were to happen to any of them and we get a cemented two wide set between any of the three, like you're going to start them every week. So like we talk about contingency options at running back, the Broncos receivers are also contingency options, just seeing what happens and how their target tree shakes out over the next few games. For the Panthers and the Bucks, Baker Mayfield expected to play this game despite getting injured on the team's first drive, injured on that quarterback sneak from the one-yard line. And honestly, it's outside of the same guys you continue getting there, Mike Evans, Rashad White, Chris Godwin to a lesser extent, Kate Otten if you're desperate too, who's just always available on waiver wires. He's always out there, and he's always available if you need a plug in a band-aid for bye weeks. There's really nothing else here to discuss, given that the Panthers offensive coordinator change and so many injuries, just a litter of them on defense this week. Yeah, I would just note, note that the, the Panthers have been a run funnel. Uh, so Rashad White is, I mean, I think everybody who has him is probably starting him, but they're 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. And they have improved their rush defense, but not to the degree that it's affecting their pass defense in terms of those numbers. I mean, Mayfield is, his matchup's bad. Carolina's third and just the fancy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, it's bad for Mike Evans, but you still start him. Uh, they're second and just the fancy points allowed to receivers. So I'm kind of looking at Godwin as like a fringe wide receiver three this week. Just isn't seeing the volume that Evans is, obviously. And then Otten, as you mentioned, you know, low end, tight end one, high end, tight end two, just because his role has grown. He's on the field all the time. Uh, maybe he gets there with a touchdown. Um, but it's it's a weird thing with Carolina because they just offer almost no pushback. Uh, so they they tend to play in low-scoring games and don't really force uh, the opposing team to pass a whole lot. And that's the issue as well, that the Bucks have been a defense we've been confidently targeting. They've been one of the league's worst defenses out of their bye, but Bryce Young doesn't get there against anyone. So you can run Adam Thielen out there and hope – that he also produces. I know we had three targets last week, but he had double-digit targets in two, the two games prior. So cross your fingers, but that's about it. It's just a soft spot. Uh, with uh, and the one thing with <laughs> uh, with um, Bryce Young, it, if you look at the the running game for the, the 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 Panthers, it's it's dicey. Like Hubbard had a good game against the Titans last week. Uh, but they're second and just fancy points allowed to running back. So I'm, you know, I'm worried that they won't be able to run the ball at all. And that might actually force Bryce Young into even more dropbacks against the soft bucks secondary. So I don't think he's going to get there, get there to the point where you want to start him. Uh, but Thielen might get there uh, just on volume. And, you know, 
if you if you're just looking at a team that you can't run against, the Bucks are definitely high in that list. So they've been bad against the pass all year. Thielen has a matchup with uh, the the Bucks are 29th and adjusted fancy points allowed to receivers. So I have him ranked as a, a wide receiver too. But we we talked about Thielen earlier in the year and that you know he's on this really hot run and we're like, how long is this going to last for an older player? Is he going to be able to continue to keep up with this sort of volume and this sort of production on a per target basis? And he hasn't. Like he's just his efficiency has gone way down. Uh, but he's still seeing the lion's share of the targets, and they don't have anybody else really to throw to. Uh, so he he's the only guy. And for the running backs, yeah, one you're not playing against the Bucks anyhow. But two, there are enough rumblings coming out under Chris Tabor and Thomas Brown, who's now calling plays for them. I think Raheem Blackshear is going to be involved a lot more than people think. Uh, let's just say that. I, I think they want to get him going as well. So just be very careful about the Panthers running backs out there. The 49ers and the Eagles, though, a much better game to talk about because as we discussed with Josh Allen in the passing game, getting Gabe Davis in everywhere, even being confidently streaming Khalil Shakir, whatever we needed to, uh, it's the same spot for the 49ers because this Eagles pass miserable passing defense, not covering anyone, has now allowed at least 28 fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks in three of their last four games. And Patrick Mahomes should have joined that group, but two touchdowns were dropped in that game too. For Brock Purdy, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, it's all just matchup proof. Even Purdy out of his bye these last three games, albeit against a softer schedule, is leading the league in completion rate under pressure too. Nothing's going wrong. And now they have extended rest against an Eagles defense that also were on the field for 93 plays in overtime last week against Buffalo on Sunday. Like it's the cleanest spot possible for San Francisco. So you would definitely, you would confidently start Purdy over CJ Stroud due to the matchups. Man, that's, that's a great question. And I think I would. Yeah. Now I would, I will say confidently, but I would make the decision. I would do that decision. I had that question on Twitter and I was thinking to myself, how hard is it right now to bench CJ Stroud, you know, over a matchup? It's, it's interesting. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I agree though. This is going to be a, should be a pass heavy attack for the 49ers. If they struggle at all running the ball, which they are likely to, the Eagles are first and just a fancy points allowed to running backs, but McCaffrey can get there as a receiver, as we've all seen. And he's you know also likely to get a rushing touchdown just from the goal line anyway. Uh, but yeah, Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, I think they're all startable this week and you know no worries uh, about any of them. For the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, lots of matchup-proof options anyways. But we have seen in their two games without Dallas Goddard out of the bye, Devonta Smith is carrying a 33% target share, A.J. Brown at 25%. Uh, I think both players will get there regardless, and it's such a concentrated target tree that no one else is getting there anyhow. But anything of note in your rankings with the Eagles offense, DeAndre Swift included? Yeah, I mean, I've heard it at one overall, and the, the 49ers are number one in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, but I'm just not worried about Jalen Hurts. You know, the, you know, likely to get a couple tush pushes, uh, and, and the, the receivers – you know, the matchups aren't bad for Devonta Smith. They're kind of mediocre for Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown. Uh, the 49ers are 17th in just the fantasy points allowed to receivers, so nothing really to worry about there. I think maybe DeAndre Swift is a little bit, you know, you could see him not really scoring a touchdown and maybe not having the greatest day running the ball, but I've got him ranked as an RB2 as well. For Swift, it's just hard because it's easy to point out regression with 
running backs, right? Like Tony Pollard was getting the same usage as Travis Etienne and Rashad White. And Etienne and White were arguably worse in efficiency. They were just scoring touchdowns and Tony Pollard was not. So it's easy to predict Tony Pollard now scoring his touchdowns the rest of the way. For DeAndre Swift, though, although the usage is not changing, we've never seen anything like the tush push in our lives. Like, I don't know how to spot regression whenever the Eagles should keep going back to Jalen Hurts within two yards of short down and distance situations because it's the most efficient play in NFL history. Like last year, even he converted 11 of his carries from the one yard line into eight touchdowns this year. He's converted eight of his 10 carries into touchdowns as well from the one yard line, which has doubled Gus Edwards for the most from the one yard line too. It's just not anything they need to go away from. So I don't know how it gets better for DeAndre Swift. He has to score from outside the five. Exactly. He's not going to get the touchdown at the three or the two or the one. He's going to have to score from the five or the 10 yard line, break a break a run all the way into the end zone. Those are a lot less frequent. I mean, obviously most of our rushing touchdowns come from inside the five. Cleveland Browns and Los Angeles Rams. It seems like we are trending in the year 2023 towards a Joe Flacco off the street start. Uh, You mentioned the Rams defense who, by the way, spiked an amazing draft class. Uh, maybe it's because they've had three years to work on these picks that didn't have any prior, but between Byron Young, Kobe Durant, who I know a lot of fantasy players don't know, Steve Avila and their offensive line, Puka Nakua, of course, they they honestly just nailed it. But it's a great spot to stream their defense because Joe Flacco obviously makes us concerned about everyone. Amari Cooper battling a rib injury as well. So outside of David and Joku, how are you handling this Browns offense? Yeah, and Joku, solid, you know, Tight end one, yeah. The, the Rams are 32nd, just fancy points a lot of tight ends. I just want to mention that. That's one of the best matchups in the league. Uh, and he's so, been he's been so much better from everyone but Deshaun Watson. It's like he's a yeah, I, I would think that would consider, I would think that would you know continue with Flacco. I mean, Flacco's a wild card. Um, I did see a video today that I didn't even realize this, but he was telling his teammates to tackle Debo Samuel if he broke a uh, kickoff return in the Super Bowl, like he did, he, he wasn't sure what the penalty was and was, was just like tackle him if he comes along the sideline here, if he breaks one, I, I just thought that was an amazing clip. I'm so happy. I saw it today, which is pretty smart too. Right. Because although morally you would be yelled at, uh, the offense would get the ball back, but it's so unlikely they score from the 30. Yeah. Uh, it would just have caused so many rules changes and chaos. I think, um, you know, maybe you get, if you do it, you get banned for a year type, punishment i mean i would think that would have to if it yeah. if it decided a super bowl but i love that he was like i don't know what the punishment is but just do it like he, he didn't know what sure. what it would be and he i just thought it was amazing uh for the it's, quarterback it's a lot like uh there's a freakonomics episode that the when you're supposed to merge lanes in traffic you know there's always that open lane that people cut in front of you by driving all the way up to that lane and you get upset but actually it's most efficient to use that lane and so they're doing it right but you just have to put your morals to the side because you know you're upsetting every call you're passing because they merge early. It's a lot like that, where Joe Flacco was causing chaos and probably going to break the rules, but he was right. Like That that was the correct play, honestly, was to stick your foot out and trip somebody. So I take it from this conversation that you're the type of guy that goes to the uses that all that open lane. and Oh, no, I'm too soft. Time. I go to therapy, oh, okay. I cry. Like, there's no chance. Right. I, I want those people looking at me. There's no chance. But... No. It's the most efficient is what you're saying. 
Yes. What were we talking about? Joe, Joe Flacco. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is, yeah, the this Browns. is, this is, t- this is tough for, uh, Mari Cooper. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit better for him than, you know, the other quarterbacks that they have there. I don't know. Uh, but you know, Joe Flacco at one point was a pretty decent fantasy quarterback. I don't, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not excited about this from the Browns standpoint. They probably should go very, very run heavy. A lot of Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt. Um, the matchup's sort of mediocre for those guys. I don't know that they're going to be able to move the ball uh, a whole lot that way. So, you know, at some point, Joe Flacco is going to be put to the test and probably fail. Uh, but he is hashtag elite. Uh, and at one point, he was apparently, and uh, maybe maybe he turns around. I, I don't have confidence in any of the Browns pass catchers outside of Njoku. Uh, I would hate to have to start uh, really a Cooper or I mean Cooper would be my choice but elijah moore i mean i just don't have a lot of confidence in these guys and honestly just given the outlook um from amari cooper how he's played with all backup quarterbacks he's bizarro david and joku uh you're finding someone in a better matchup like even if let's say noah brown is healthier like at least noah brown has a better quarterback and so i'm not doing it confidently but i'm probably starting over amari cooper i i do not want to play amari cooper probably for the rest of the year honestly if i don't have to and the Rams are seventh in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers, so it's also a bad matchup in addition to bad quarterbacking. So I would normally say the same thing about Cooper Cup and Puka. Cooper Cup, who's not even in the top 40 wide receivers in points per game. It's been miserable. I know everyone wants to sit him. Uh, I can't even blame you if you have better options. You probably should sit him, honestly. But if Miles Garrett, Jordan Elliott, Denzel Ward, if these cluster injuries like scratch these guys in this game we know Stafford is still ninth in yards per attempt from a clean pocket it's the same situation why we wanted to play him last week against the Cardinals and sneak him in there it's a significantly better spot and the Browns are not a scary defense if those guys are out so I'm kind of just playing it down to the wire with those individuals and Greg Newsom is the best matchup in the slot of these of these defensive backs for, for Cleveland so uh, Cooper Cup is playable from that standpoint and you know he's Bound to have a good game here. I think he was full uh, practice today, so that bodes, I would say, a bit well for them. And your thoughts on Kyron Williams? It's as simple as starting him, right? He's back. Yeah, the volume's there. Uh, we we had him ranked pretty high last week uh, in his first game back. You know, in a really soft matchup. I think Cleveland's a very good defense, but as you mentioned, they're they're, they're beat up, and the running game for the Rams is really clicking when Kyron Williams is in. So, yeah, absolutely start him. Sunday night football. Patrick Mahomes, first time to travel to Lambeau, I believe. Uh, So let's start with the Chiefs side of the ball because they did have, finally, and unbelievably, I never really thought they'd get there given the albatross of Marquez Valdez-Scantling's contract, but they finally made the swap, at least for one game, where Rashi Rice led the team in routes participation, 68% of routes on Mahomes' dropbacks. Justin Watson, who now has the team's only end-zone target since he returned from injury before the bye, uh, as their number two in MBS as their third wide receiver. And I believe outside of just playing a soft Raiders defense, that's what allowed that passing offense to finally get unlocked for one week. How are you ranking Rasheed Rice, not only this week, but rest of season? Sky Moore took a back seat to, well, he's he had, he had 18 routes run. Marquez, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, 20. Justin Watson, 24. Uh, Rasheed Rice, 26. We had the injury to uh, Kadarius Tony, which kind of cleared things up um, a bit in terms of the target tree or the route tree, uh, number of routes these guys are getting. And Rice certainly took advantage. I had him. You know, Hardman was also injured, right? So, um 
I have uh, Rice ranked as a high-end wide receiver three this week. I still don't have complete trust. Um, you know, he still only ran a route on 26 of uh, Patrick Mahomes' 38 dropbacks. I would like to see that number higher. Uh, but I think certainly of this group outside of Travis Kelsey, he's the he's the best bet. And then after that, I think Watson has been clearly the most productive of the you know the other Chiefs receivers and. This is not a particularly good matchup against the Packers. They're, you know, worse against the run than they are against the pass. They did pretty well last week against a very, uh, you know, high octane uh, Lions offense. Uh, I don't know if they're gonna be able to play out of their minds again like that, but um, you know, I think certainly think Rice is worth a start. And if you're in a deep, deep league, uh, Justin Watson is as well. And I would like also to see Rice get more, but we're not going to. Like uh, that seventy percent was also the cap for MVS. The point is that he is Patrick Mahomes' number one wide receiver now, at least based on one game. And so that's why I was asked in my chats earlier this week, like this guy or this guy rest of the season, yada, yada, yada. And like I have Rice over Christian Watson, Brandon Cooks, all those fringe guys off waiver wires, Jaden Reed. I have Rice over all of them the rest of the season because if we're getting Patrick Mahomes' number one against the softest schedule imaginable, like I definitely want to be ahead of that because then he's a weekly wide receiver too. I mean, yeah, you could say he's his number one receiver, but really that's Travis Kelsey. So you got to look at Rice in that, within that context. But yeah, or it's just been kind. Of, it's, it been, it's been a it's been a grind. It's been a grind since. Well, you're saying okay, now you're saying Rice over Kelsey. Um, it's been a grind here since Tyreek Hill, Hill left. We've been looking for who's going to be the next guy, and it's clearly rest of season. I would put my money on Rice, um, but again, he's not he's not running the routes that that Tyreek Hill did. Um, clearly so that's just the one thing you could just get you could just the ceiling's only going to be so high uh when you're running three quarters of the routes or two-thirds of the routes for the other side of the ball the packers took care of business against the lions and jordan love i knew it was going to happen paulson i knew i was going to wake up and see the espn talk shows and they were going to say jordan love is improving and that's perhaps the case but we also know with our jobs that he's had the softest schedule possible over the last month and of course, he got there against the Chargers and the Lions defenses in back-to-back weeks. Even being at home, I'm really worried in this spot about the Packers offense. I have confidence in Christian Watson. Since we did see without Dontavian Wicks, who may or may not play this week on Thanksgiving, Christian Watson a season-high 91% route participation, which led to a season-high target share. Jaden Reed has also been popping the past few games. But I still personally worry about the Packers offense in this spot. Yeah, I don't think they're out of the woods yet uh, in terms of, you know, the, their ugly offense from earlier in the season could certainly rear its uh, ugly head. Uh, I feel like they turned a corner a little bit uh, with their scheming, uh, but it just there's just a better called game last few weeks as well. Um, but the Chiefs have a very tough defense. We know that they're good in all facets. Jacoby Myers last week, six for 79 and a touchdown. Devontae Adams, five for 73 and a touch, uh, no touchdowns. Both had seven targets. Aiden O'Connell had 248 yards passing and a touchdown. So the Chiefs struggled uh, for their standards, struggled against the Vegas passing attack, which is was surprising. And they also gave up 110 yards rushing to Josh Jacobs. So I don't know if the Packers are able to use this template and figure out how to move the ball on the Chiefs or if maybe the Chiefs are struggling a little bit uh, relative to what they did previous this season. Um, I'm not super optimistic about the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Packer offense in terms of, scoring a ton of points, but they might be in a position if the Chiefs put up a ton to play catch up. And that and you know, Jordan Loves has been pretty good at home. And I do want to ask you though, is he is he now an NFL 
caliber quarterback in your eyes, or is he still, you know, XFL? This is the litmus test. This is this is the test right here. This game. What do you need from him? What do you need from him in this game to say that he is an NFL caliber quarterback? I need him to not play the Rams, Steelers, Chargers, and Lions the last right. what like what do you need though? Do you need a win? Do you need 250 and a touchdown? What like what what do you want from Jordan Love this so week? So what's happened that is that is... what's happened is that in the first half, he's been completely broken in games. Uh literally Josh Allen is the only quarterback who's been be- or Kitty Pickett was the only quarterback who's been worst in EPA per play in the first half. And then since Jordan Love is the one who, like Derek Carr, and other quarterbacks creates his own problems and then like digs himself a hole in the offense. Then Jordan Love, the only quarterback who's been better in terms of EPA per play in the second half in the league is Josh Allen. So I don't know. It's just one of those situations where like kind of like what's happening with Jared Goff now too, the past two games. Jared Goff has three picks and three fumbles the last two weeks. And so he's getting there in fantasy only because of the problems he creates. Jordan Love is creating these problems for himself to get there. So I don't know. Well, not, I the, guess, not like, the last few games though. Well, because the softest match is possible. Yeah, okay. that's why so, we look at just an- You got to answer my question. How? What? Do you, what stat line or what result do you need from Jordan Love this week to say that he's an NFL caliber quarterback? Well, honestly, like given quarterback play this year, sure. I mean, everyone. I'm an NFL quarterback this year, so okay. I will say okay. Jordan Love is an officially an NFL quarterback because I'm forced to watch Jake Browning and PJ Walker and Joe Flacco and Derek Carr, and just keep on going down the list of guys. So sure. All right. Well, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the win. I'm going to take the win on that. Uh, you, you're no longer categorizing him as an XFL caliber quarterback. No. So I'm, I'm, I'm because happy I've seen that. other quarterbacks this year and you're right. Jordan love is uh top 15, I guess, among this bunch of guys. And finally, <laughs> Oh, and by the way, Aaron Jones, you don't, we don't think we're going to get him this week. Right. Right. Yeah. I, you know, definitely waiting and seeing on him. Uh, I know they were, they said that it was not a significant knee injury, but you, you want him, especially with what happened earlier this year, you want to see a full practice out of him before you really trust him in your lineup again. Speaking of XFL quarterbacks, Jake Browning is headed to Jacksonville as the Jaguars are two score favorites. Unsurprisingly, Bengals defense, probably the worst in the league, worse than the Cardinals as well. So it's just a spot we think everyone gets there. I am somewhat worried about Travis Etienne. I know we're starting him as long as he's out there. Hasn't practiced as of Thursday, got banged up last week. And then Dearness Johnson also coming on strong, at least seven touches in back-to-back games, at least 30-plus receiving yards in three consecutive games as well. And Doug Peterson has continued before the bye, emphasizing that they want to limit Etienne's workload just to keep him healthy for the stretch run since they now have eight wins and the tiebreaker over the Texans. So I bet if you're in like a tough spot in 12-team leagues, I bet we get a lot more Dearness Johnson than people think in this one. Yeah, I tweeted out uh, last week that I've added Dearness Johnson in a couple of leagues uh, and now that ETN is banged up and has his chest injury, it it also could be a, you know, I don't like, I don't know if the Jaguars are going to run away with this one, but you could see Jarvis Johnson with a lot of touches in the second half, um, if the Jaguars have a very good first half. So I think he is a sneaky start from that standpoint in a soft matchup uh, with the RB one kind of banged up. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, I wanted to ask you about Jake Browning. Like I know he had a like I looked at his PFF stats and he had a high number of turnover plays turnover-worthy plays. I didn't watch this particular game, but 227 yards, 8.7 yards per attempt. I liked the yards per attempt as a measure of like how 
good of a game a player had. One touchdown, one interception. He did run three times only for nine yards. The defense is um, the, the Bengals' defense is terrible, probably going to give up a lot of points to the Jaguars' offense, which has gotten a lot better over the last couple of weeks. Could you see Jake Browning as a decent streamer this week, given he's got pretty good weapons, a soft defense, and can run the ball a little bit? It probably works both ways, yes. Uh, I do think since it looks like we may have T. Higgins and Jamar oh, Chase out there for him, I think it'll help, although I still don't think T. Higgins is startable. Um, I think it'll help since the Jaguars are a pass funnel. And what, what are they, uh, 29th in our schedule-adjusted tool? 29th or 26th? I just for looked. Quarterbacks. I for quarterbacks, yeah. 24th, uh, 24th, but against, against receivers, 28th. That yeah, they're absolute pass funnel, and just everything lines up here for a bad quarterback who's had a decent outing against a pretty good Steelers defense to have a pretty good game. And we got six, we have six teams on by, and you got Derek Carr without any, like you have Derek Carr without any receivers. You know, Geno Geno Smith in a tough matchup against Dallas tonight. Uh, like, do you want to start these guys over Jake Browning, who has a? I'm you know, I'm actually really confident in Kenny Pickett. Uh, probably I have, I have Pickett ahead too much for I have my own ahead good. Browning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Pickett, Gardner Minshew, I think is in a really great spot against the Titans who we talked about are falling apart. Um, I'm, I'm still starting them over Jake Browning, but if you need to get to Jake Browning in a two quarterback Superflex league, I think you can, I think what about Baker, it, Baker Mayfield over Jake Browning. Probably, but I am somewhat concerned about the injury. Gotcha. No, I think Browning. I, I, think, is, I have him. I, I have him at eighteen. I feel like I'm really high on him. But that's if pretty. You look high. at this. If you look at this week, yeah, it's context. rough. Yeah. Would I start Jake Browning there. or Baker Mayfield? That's a great question. I don't want to be in that position. Uh, what about Jake Browning or Will Will Levis? I would go Will Levis, but I get the argument. It's because Will Levis's problems have come under pressure, and the Colts can't get pressure at all. It's it's his easiest matchup since his first start. Not that he'll do anything, but it is somewhat safer. Yeah, the Colts always, you know, seem to be in high-scoring games as well. So you would think that maybe Tennessee's passing offense gets there as well. This and is t- this is a tough week. You look at this group; it's like rough. It's rough out there. That's where we're at. It's a it's a really tough week, but I think we answered everything we need to to help everyone get by and there. If you can bench. Weeks. If you can bench Joe Mixon, bench Joe Mixon. It's rough. He's got. I don't think. It, I don't think anyone even realized he handled 100 percent of the running back touches last week because it just doesn't matter. They couldn't run the ball, and now they got Jag, the Jaguars, who are eighth in that metric. I don't. Well, I mean, he's he is going to see all the touches. You could say that. Yeah, that's literally the only argument. And then again, what does he do with them? Who knows? But uh, the Jaguars are also again a pass funnel, so he's not he's not creating room in, in this game. It's ugly. All right, Paulson, what else will you have for everyone back to a normal schedule this week on the site? Yeah, Sneaky Starts is up already. Take a look at that. Uh, and I'll be doing a Discord chat here in uh, a couple hours for 444 uh, subscribers. If you are a 444 subscriber and haven't gotten into Discord yet, please do. There's a great community of fellow subscribers that will help answer questions. We also get the uh, analysts in there for AMAs. I know, John, you do... Uh, AMAs in there and uh, chats with uh, TJ on uh, Sunday morning. So it's a great resource for everybody. We'll have to get everybody involved in the Discord if we can. I also jump in whenever I get pinged in a chat. Uh, I'll answer your start sick question Sunday morning. I just don't like doing it early in the week because, you know, there's no need for it. 
let's wait for injury reports. Let's see how these things shake out. And then I can give you the best answer possible. Um, and as you mentioned, DFS show back to normal as well. 6 p.m. Eastern on Friday on the 44 YouTube channel. So until then, good luck out there because I know we're all steaming towards the fantasy playoffs. And remember, be a little bit kind of what's fun. We'll see you then.